Well, greetings and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 26 of the Clarity Podcast. And um, today we're going to be sitting down with our good friend, uh, Dick Foth, on Back Channel with Foth. Dick, we're so glad to have you with us. Thanks a million. Great to be here, as always, Aaron. And so, Dick, as the, the questions keep pouring in, um, we're just looking forward to the insight and had great feedback from the, the first four sessions we did together and uh, looking forward to continue that today. So let's jump in. First question that a listener sent in was, what is a new spiritual discipline that you have had it added to your life recently and how has it affected you? You know, it's interesting because spiritual disciplines are a, a broad category. and um, Folks might find this interesting that through my 70-some years of life, one of the big challenges for me has been spiritual disciplines. Hmm. Uh, just simply because um, people who are methodical, hmm. people who like the, the steadiness and the routine of things, and routine is a good word, um, I think tend to have more... Um, I don't know if success is the right word, mm -hmm. but they, they just do it better. And, yeah. and I, you know, it's like journaling. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, I have a couple of dozen journals in my study where I'm sitting <laughs> and they all like have 15 pages in them. You know, <laughs> I mean, they have way more pages than that, but it only has 15 pages of writing. Yeah. So I'm, it's, I'm, I'm sort of the hare and the tortoise and hare thing, but the, but I do like, I do like using devotionals hmm. and I have uh, two or three of my favorites would be uh, E. Stanley Jones, some thoughts from E. Stanley Jones, the great missionary to India for mm -hmm. some years. But the, the devotional you would find most on Capitol Hill, for example, in the United States is my utmost for his highest by Oswald hmm. Chambers. Hmm. And recently uh, I I started using Andrew Murray's uh, devotional. And what's interesting about it is both of those um, men mm -hmm. died in the same year on the continent of Africa. Interesting. Oswald I never knew that. Yeah. Um, Murray died, I think, in January of 1917, and he was in his late 80s. Wow. Oswald Chambers died in Egypt, in Cairo, in wow. November of that year, and he was 43. Wow. And both of the, you know, when I, when I read devotionals, especially if they're somewhat mystical, mm. I, I, I really struggle, mm -hmm. but, but I found both with, with, um, with Chambers and with Murray, that if I take time and let it sink in mm -hmm. and sort of uh, mulch it, uh, ruminate on it, mm. I found great um, joy in that and great help. And both of their devotionals push you toward looking at God more than looking at yourself. So I don't know if you'd call it a discipline that I'm more rhythmic yeah. in doing that, but I found that to be uh, very helpful in recent yeah. weeks, particularly. Good deal. And Dick, your abiding time, do you normally do that in the morning, in the afternoon, the evening? Does it just depend on the season of life or... I'm I'm an early morning person, and when yeah. you talk about abiding time, you're using Andrew Murray language, aren't you? I'm that's, trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. That's it's um, early morning. Yeah. I tend to get up between five thirty and six. I don't know if that's. I don't think that's a function of age because I've done that for for several decades. But I find the early morning being the time that is most helpful to me. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, we appreciate that. And that is definitely uh, gives great insight. And um, I uh, use utmost, uh, my utmost for his highest myself, um, but I will have to check into the other one. And so always looking for a good uh, devotional and uh, encouragement and um, in different seasons of life. So next question, Dick says, how can we be aware of our emotions and not be led by them? How can we be aware of our emotions and not be led by our emotions? Well, emotions, and I'm not, a, I'm not a medical doctor nor a psychiatrist, but my observation over the last decades is that emotions are a response to stimuli. And the stimuli comes from how we think about things, hmm. right? So how I feel about something comes from my perspective on that thing. Mm -hmm. It's the old 
person who went to the deep dark jungles and found barefoot people and he was a shoe salesman you know that whole thing <laughs> don't come here nobody wears shoes and the other guy went home and said send shoes nobody has them here yeah you, you know it, it's, it's that uh idea that how i think will determine how i feel hmm. and it's true that it's the passion that moves us people don't you know, people aren't in the streets in the United States of America and other places now because of just about what they think. Yeah. They're there because of how they feel about things. So I go back to, um, to this thought that my biggest mission field is not the continent I serve on, nor the country, nor the county or province, or the town. My greatest mission field is the five and a half inches between my ears. My greatest challenge in life is winning me, right? Mm. And taking control, bringing every thought into subjection. Fascinating phrase. Mm. Making my thinking serve me mm. is, a, is a flip, really. Of yeah. I serve the way I think. Because you said, well, I just thought you said that I will respond the way I think. And, and that's true. But that's that's a chicken egg thing, isn't it? Yeah. So where I focus, what I think about most, that determines how I feel. So if I don't want my feelings to lead me, hmm. then I need to lead my feelings by how I think and yeah. how I learned it. That's good. That's good. Dick, in your experience, um, have you ever run into somebody that man they just can they know, they kind of push your buttons as soon as they walk in the room and your emotions. At least there's people in my life, you know, they walk, there's this, they seem to push my buttons and I see my emotions come, come, you know, it, is that the same process? Cause you've led in multiple levels, lots of experience. Is there certain things that you've put in so that you don't allow them to push your buttons or, or allow those emotions to come or maybe some key uh, things that you've learned that would, would help us on that also? Well, I've, I've never had that problem myself, Aaron. <laughs> So we need, to, we need to talk off Zoom call. We can walk good. I do have, I, I have had, I don't know that I do have as much now. Right. But I, but there are people who, for whatever reasons, um, tend to trigger me. And sometimes because of the relationship or lack of it, uh, it's done purposefully. Hmm. It's a, you know, I, I had a friend years back who would ask questions that were not questions. They were statements, but mm. it was put in the form of a question. And one time I had to confront the person and say, are you making a statement or asking me a question? Mm. Because the, how we interact with, uh, with each other, of course, is the, is the greatest challenge. Yeah. And the, I think part of the answer to this question is found in Philippians 2. And I want to just um, read that real quickly, yeah, if I may. Sure. Philippians 2, the first four verses, reads this way. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and by the way, Paul is writing this to the first congregation in what we would call Europe. You know, mm. it's, it's on the west side, across the sea from uh, Istanbul now, Constantinople. So, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united, with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the spirit, any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, hmm. having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. That kind of thing you're describing is how do we get from you push my buttons to how do we be of one mind hmm. or at least respect each other in some yeah. way. And here's the answer he gets, do nothing out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit, rather in humility, yeah. value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. My experience with the people who have mentored me in these kinds of things is that they tend to look beyond themselves. Am I concerned more about my rights than yours? Hmm. You know, I, somebody said to me one time, that Jesus has helped me not be nearly as concerned about my rights hmm. as yours. And one of the things that helps me, you've heard me talk about this, and we may talk about it a bit later, is that when I 
there's a reason that person pushes my buttons, either by the subjects they raise or the way they approach me. Hmm. They put me on the defensive because hmm. when you talk about button pushing, that means right. I feel attacked. Yeah. yeah. Correct? Is that yeah, for sure. That's it. That's it. So how do I how do I diffuse that? And part of it is to try to figure out where that particular stance or approach is coming from. And you can't know that unless you ask questions. Yeah. Unless you say, tell me about yourself. Give yeah. me a not, not about why are you talking like that? Yeah. But tell me your story. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, Dick, we appreciate your wisdom and insight and um, looking forward to another session of Back Channel with Foth. Um, if you have listeners, if you have questions, you can send those in to us. We're going to jump into our interview today with um, our good friend, Pastor Nelson Gonzalez in Plainview, Texas. Um, Plainview First Assembly in Texas, and we're going to have a great discussion on personal health. And uh, he's going to share some transparent conversations with us and what he's learned through his life and ministry, through transition, and how his he's found God's grace in, in many different seasons of his life. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings. It's so exciting to be here today with Pastor Nelson. Um, he's in Texas and I'm in Madagascar. So uh, we're thankful for technology over all these miles. And I'm um, so excited to be spending some time with him today as he's going to provide some insight and wisdom as we learn to grow, as we learn to grow in leaders. And he's leading at a high level. He's leading a church and um, he's got a, I'm excited to learn from him today. And you can probably hear that in my voice. So Pastor Nelson, could you just share a little bit about yourself um, in your ministry, about your family, as much as you would like to share? Sure, absolutely. I uh, my name is Nelson Gonzalez, and I'm currently the lead pastor at uh, Plainview First Assembly in Plainview, Texas. It's a uh, a rural town of about twenty thousand uh, in population, and uh, God has really blessed us here. I am originally I was born in Cuba. Uh, I was only nine months old when my parents uh, escaped. Actually, they left. They were able to leave under uh, visas in nineteen sixty two, and uh, and through a series of events that it's just amazing, you see the hand of God. He led us uh, to hear the gospel, which implanted the word of God in me. And uh, as a young man, I gave my life over to the Lord, uh, was delivered from all kinds of garbage, drugs, and all the stuff that comes along with that. And, uh, and God set me free. He filled me with the Holy Spirit one night at Assembly of God Church. And I didn't leave that church until uh, 26 years later when I moved to Texas. I grew wow. up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, South Florida. So I went from palm trees and beaches to the plains and the wind and dust of West Texas. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a, <laughs> so that's, that's where the Lord has us. That is a major, major transition. So how did that, how did, did you feel a call to Texas or how, how did that, how did that transition It was a work? series of events, really. Honestly, it was interesting the way the Lord worked that out because again, I was part of the same church for 26 years. I got, I really gave my life and committed my life 100% there to the Lord and got filled with the Holy Spirit and then felt a call to ministry around uh, 1988 or so when my wife and I both uh, responded to the full-time call to ministry, but it took uh, almost almost nine years. I began, I had already children, I had everything, so I couldn't really go off to, to Bible school or anything of that stuff. So back then, you know, Global University yeah. <laughs> was, uh, there was no internet, so it was all correspondence. And so we, I went through all that, I went through all those and eventually got credentialed and uh, the pastor there asked me to come on staff as an assistant pastor. And eventually ended up being the uh, the, the uh, senior associate slash executive pastor of uh, Christian Life Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, very large church, and yeah. um, and so you know God um, really was just moving, and everybody thought I was going to be the next guy in place, and then God <laughs> through a series of events, some uh, good, some not so good, some painful, some not so painful, and yeah. uh, He actually made us. Uh, a little bit uncomfortable there and we got a phone call from and I bottom line is we every at beginning of every year my wife and I would pray and we would fast personally and we would say you know Lord you know wherever you want us we'll go and yeah. and I literally said this to the Lord I said I'll be your missionary uh, I'll yeah. go wherever you want me to go and serve you 
And then I said, but if you can keep it in Florida, Carolina, <laughs> which is where my, my wife is from, or Texas, yeah, that would be awesome. But I'll go wherever you want me to. And I said, now, Texas, the reason I said Texas is I had been in Houston and I had been in Dallas. Okay. But I had never been in West Texas. <laughs> I got to answer my prayer. I got a phone call from Tampa and I got a phone call from Texas. Yeah. And uh, and the one from Texas, we we just connected right away and we came out here. Obviously not what I expected. Yeah. Uh, it's a very rural area, very, you know, the plains of Texas and uh, um, agricultural area. But man, it just, uh, we knew right from, from the time that we met the people here, we just, um, we fell in love with them. God gave us a connection there. It was a real supernatural one. And it had to be because we had to leave everything that we were familiar with. It was my hometown, my home church, had a family of about, you know, 25, 3000 people wow. <laughs> in the church, in the church itself. And then yeah. my, also my, all of my family, my blood relatives were there as well. And so it was tough, but yeah. I had said, wherever you send us, we go. And we did. Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's how we ended up here. It was just a, a God thing. Yeah. You mentioned that you, you and your wife spent some time at the beginning of the year um, in prayer and fasting. How, how, you know, the podcast is the Clarity Podcast. And um, how, how does that help you in the beginning of the year to find clarity? It does it help you find clarity and what that that's obviously a discipline. How has that helped you um, as you follow God and his direction for you? Oh, well, absolutely. It does. It's, um, like I said, we did that for years on our own because our church wasn't doing it as a whole. And so we just wanted to make sure that we didn't want to take for granted that we were where we were supposed to be, even though everything felt fine. And we didn't want to assume on the Lord, you know, and presume on him. And so we went ahead and, and did that. And every at the beginning of every year, he would either just confirm through his peace and his strength and his, you know, his and opening doors that we were where are we were supposed to be and brought clarity there. But, you know, the last two years we were there, uh, the, the year before we left, he, he said it's time and, and brought clarity. And it's one of the deals that, you know, when, when you're following the Lord, when you're allowing the Holy spirit to lead you, I am, I am of the mindset that sometimes we over spiritualize the leading of the Holy spirit. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes we think that, there has to be this, woo, you know, this stuff that's happening. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. And there are times when he will show up in, in a special way. And there are times when he will, he will, you know, reveal himself in a, in a special way. But I really believe that the New Testament version of walking with the Spirit, in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, gives you a picture that if your life is surrendered to him and you are aware of his presence, that he's going to lead you and continue to lead you in the path path that you should be going on and and even in times when you make a decision and you think it's your decision you look back and say that was the spirit of god that was leading me and making that decision and it's, it's a little more subtle i think sometimes than what we think and so i bring that up because when we when we practice when we do those spiritual practices of of solitude and and fasting and and that sort of thing just really that brings you back it centers you back to the fact that hey he is the one that's present with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's always with me. He's going to be leading me. And he helps us to, you know, be led that way. And so when we moved here to Texas, we began the second year we were here. The first year we got here, it was February by the time we got here. So the following year in 2011, we, um, we went ahead and began a, uh, a church-wide fast. And so at the beginning of every year, uh, we invite um, the church members to join us, our church family to join us in a 21 day fast. Yeah. And so I practice personally, you know, we leave it up to every person as to what, what that fast looks like. But I personally fast a 21 day liquid fast at the beginning of every year. And then I continue that throughout the year once, once a week. And okay. what that does to me is it just helps me. It brings clarity. It brings yeah. clarity. It, it reminds me of who I am depending on. Hmm. that I don't depend on anything or anyone but him. And uh, it brings me back to dependence on him at all times. And, you know, there are times when I, I practice solitude. I have to just put my do not disturb signs on and man, put a little, maybe some small, some, some light music in the background instrumental or something and just focus on him. 
not do a whole lot of talking, just yeah. let him, you know, just present, present myself to him and allow him just kind of tune out the noise. Yeah. Cause man, there's a lot of noise. <laughs> that, that is, that is the truth. There's a lot of noise. There's so, a lot of noise. Those are the kind of little things that we do. And I got an Apple watch that yeah. has a breathing app on it. And so I set it. So about three or four times a day, it'll, it'll tap on my wrist and, and, and if I'm not in the middle of a conversation, obviously, if I'm like studying or doing something, yeah. I'll stop and I'll just use it for a minute uh, and just kind of just, again, just get centered again and remind myself he's with me, focus on him, yeah. take a breather, yeah. stop, yeah. reset, move forward. That's awesome. I've been doing it recently in the last few weeks, John, I think it's John Ortberg, he put out a book about basically how to get your life back. And you put out an app, it's called the One Minute Pause app. And it goes one minute, three minute, five minute, 10 minute. But it has really helped me, as you said, there's, wow. a, ton, there's a ton of noise. And yes. um, he walks you through that. You know, sometimes I think it's Pentecostals. Um, well, I shouldn't say we. I'll say me. Me as a Pentecostal. Sometimes those things I'm thinking, mm, I don't know if that's that's all for me <laughs> or not. But I'll be very honest with you. It has been, and you can ask my wife. It has been super valuable for me to take oh, absolutely to take those pauses throughout the day. And um, yeah, it's it's been super valuable. And that kind of leads me um, into the the next question. As we look at this, how do you think? Um, your emotional health. Cause I found that those one minute, those pauses throughout my day helped me recenter my, my focus on him and my emotional health um, back to yes. him. That's where I get that source. How have you seen in ministry? Have you had some learning experience where you've seen that if your emotional health is not in the right place, that affects your leadership and then affects other aspects of your life? Or have you have any stories or any experience with that? Absolutely. Um, for me, for most of my life growing up, my biggest, my greatest emotional hurdle had always been insecurity. Mm -hmm. And it affected how I, uh, I saw and how I treated people, how I, you know, when I went into ministry, how I preached, how I oversaw departments, really every aspect of ministry. And, uh, you know, when you, when you feel like you have to prove yourself and you have to prove your worth to someone, it's going to affect every area of your life in so many ways and it will hinder um the growth of anything that you're trying to lead if you're leading a church it's going to hinder the growth your your insecurity is going to become that lid that keeps you from growing and if you're not growing the people that you're leading are not going to grow either and and i am i'm super thankful in, in many ways that god dealt with me uh with that in my life early on in my ministry and and the reason for that is because you know, that insecurity was affecting me. I, I was looking at, at proving myself. I wanted to always, you know, receive that, the, um, the affirmation of people. Yeah, and I remember, I remember one night, uh, after being on full-time staff for about, oh, it was probably about four years or so I had been on staff. You know, the pastor had asked me to come on staff. I was the assistant pastor at the time. And, and I was scheduled to preach on a Sunday night and uh, we'd always meet in the chapel 30 minutes before every service. And so I was there as usual in the chapel and I'm praying through and my typical, I was going through the typical routine of agonizing over the thought of standing before people to speak. Yeah. I always wonder why God would call me to preach when, when in, in school, I would hold my coughs back in classrooms just so I wouldn't have anybody. <laughs> so, it would, so that's the, you know, again, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And so I was there again, agonizing about that. And, and after about 15 minutes of this, and I'm not going to say it was an audible voice or anything like that, but there was no doubt that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Hmm. Honestly, it was more like a rebuking that he brought. And he did it through a series of questions that he asked me. And he bought the bottom line when it got to it, he pointed out my insecurity and how it was rooted in pride. Hmm. And if I didn't get over it and recognize that I'm a slave of Jesus, and if I had to become a fool for him, no matter what I'm doing, that he's the only one that mattered when it yeah. came to his appraisal his, yeah. of, of myself. And yeah. so something happened that night that really set me free to be myself, to allow my personality to be myself and to focus on what the Lord thought of me over what people thought of me. Hmm. And, and I'm not going to say that I never dealt with it before after that, but I became so aware of it 
that every time that started to creep up, boom, I'd recognize it and then bring it under submission to him. And it's truly changed my life. And another thing that God used to really just kind of let me know how important that emotional health is. And if, if we don't get it under control, if we don't put it under his authority, that's going to be an issue is again, about 12 years ago, uh, I experienced a, a real deep hurt from someone in ministry that I admired very much. And it hurt me uh, to the point that it took me to a very, very tough emotional place. Mm. In fact, uh, after several years removed from it, I looked back and, and really I thought, I think I was going through a mild depression for about a year. Mm-hmm. And I was going through the motions. I, I kept up with all of my responsibilities, all my duties, and never let anything stop me from accomplishing any of those things. And even, and even has some success in certain areas, but, but there was no joy. There, was, yeah. there were periods of time when I didn't want to be around anybody. The only people I wanted to even be around was my, my, my wife and my kids. And, uh, and it lasted until we, we moved here to Plainview. And, 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 <laughs> and it, the Lord really used us moving from the familiar city the familiar church that I had grown up in to a place that I never even knew existed just a few months before and to a a completely different culture, different area. And he taught me the importance of being emotionally healthy. Otherwise I wouldn't have made it. I would not have been here 10 years later. Yeah. That's awesome. And so it's, it's a, it's a major deal. Uh, what what advice would you have, wisdom would you have for maybe a listener or somebody that's going through a very similar experience that that you just described? Um, maybe they're in that place right now. Um, looking back on that, what would you have wished or maybe somebody did or gave you advice or counsel in the midst of, of that time? Honestly, looking at the actual the occasion of what happened and and where it came from. I don't know, honestly, if anyone could have, could have told me anything or said anything that would have stopped me from experiencing what I did. Yeah. But I think what helped me get over it and what helped me grow and use it as a launching pad to even becoming more healthy or healthier is the fact that I, and again, someone told me this years ago and I followed it, but don't ever, ever make any major decisions when you're in that kind of an emotional state. Yeah, it's good. Just keep on doing what you know you should do. Yeah, it's good. Keep on being the pastor. Keep on being the missionary. Keep on being the husband. Keep on being the son. Keep on being the person and doing the things that you know that you know God has called you to do. And, and God has promised to take us through that. Yeah. That's good. What do you think is one of the the biggest challenges leaders have, um, whether that's in business or or ministry or wherever we're at to living a healthy, holistic life? Do you see some, is it, we talked about distraction and the noise. I don't know if that was, is one of the biggest challenges or, because I would imagine in your, your level of leadership, you have many things that are pulling for you and they're not pulling you probably towards holistic, uh, health. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, no. But, and I think one of the biggest obstacles that leaders, especially in ministry, uh, and, and, and really any leader, uh, is going to face, I believe is, is the, is time. Okay. I think that sometimes we, we prioritize the doing so much that we um we ignore the being Hmm. and 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 our calendar dictates to us where we should be what should we should be doing when we should be doing it and it gets filled with so many good things that sometimes all those good things get in the way of the best things for Hmm. your life that's good and i think that that just refocusing and reminding yourself, listen, I am not called a human doing, I'm called a human being. Yeah, <laughs> and, so, and so who I am is going to determine what I do. Yeah. If I focus on what to do, I'm ignoring who I am and I'm going to, I might do things that I, but when I focus on who I am, when I focus yeah. on being and set and listen, just like I prioritize 
uh, counseling session, just like I prioritize district events and I prioritize, you know, ministry events, I have to prioritize those times when I get healthy, times to focus on being healthy. And I think time gets in the way sometimes because especially with the physical, let's, I'm looking at, we're looking, talking holistic, right? That's for sure. The physical is the one that I think, (laughs) you know, after everything is said and done, you're like, okay, I should go to the gym, but oh my gosh, I am just so (laughs) exhausted. I'll do it tomorrow. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Or you're so stressed over something. And sometimes if we're not careful, we, you know, we medicate that stress with food and, And we eat at the wrong times or, you know, we have meetings after meetings. Like, um, you know, I get home on a, on a Thursday night and it's eight o'clock or eight 30 at night because of everything we've done throughout the day. I, I teach a school of ministry on Thursday here at the church. And, and then you're like, okay, what do I eat? And yeah. I have this huge meal and then go to bed. And so those yeah. are the things that you have to kind of just be aware of and, yeah. uh, that's good. And just make the time yeah, that's good. to really prioritize that. You know, in, in the world we live in today, everyone has become with with social media. Everyone has become a, not everyone. Frequently, people it's easy to criticize, and yeah, um, you know. And uh, how do you how do you process criticism as a pastor, as a leader, as a man, as a husband, as a father? Yeah. Um, how do you process criticism and not allow it to affect your emotional health or your your personal health? Is there certain things that you've learned along the way that you you could share with us? Well, first of all, I mentioned being insecure earlier, but being secure in who you are in Christ is essential in this area. Hmm. If, if you're an insecure leader, <laughs> every criticism leveled at you will take you will will just take center stage in your mind, man. Yeah. And you're going to do two, one of three things: you're going to either ignore it and make believe it didn't happen, or you're going to attack the person that that gave you the criticism. Or you're going to just internalize it and live a wounded life. And so, so whenever criticism comes my way, I, you know, I remember studying and, and I was studying in the book of second Samuel one, one, one day years ago. And, and I came across this incident where David was escaping Jerusalem because Absalom had rose, risen up against him and, and wanted to kill him. He rebelled against him and he's leaving and he comes across this guy named Shimei, okay? Mm-hmm. And this guy starts to to throw hurl all kinds of insults at him. He starts cursing him and and all this stuff. And now this is the king of Israel, right? And so he's walking out and, and one of his guys, Abishai, is next to him and he says, you know, who is this dead dog that he should be speaking to the king of? <laughs> hey, let me go and run him through. I'm gonna cut his head off, he says. Yeah. I'm gonna cut this dead dog's head off. And 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 Davis responds there, again, he's a man of God's own heart. His response there to that criticism or that curse, even though he had every right, you know, from an authority standpoint to have that happen, he stopped Abishai and said, and he said, No, 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 listen, you don't do that. Hmm. Because you you need to. First of all, when you look at it, he put things in perspective. He said, listen, I'm running from my own son who's trying to kill me. Yeah. So what this guy is doing is, is small <laughs> potatoes, man. Who cares what he's saying to me, right? No more. Right. One, put it in perspective. But second of all, it was amazing to me that he saw God in the midst of that criticism. Hmm. He said, listen, either this guy, either God is using this guy to point out something in my life that needs to change, or He's going to turn that criticism. God's going to turn that criticism around and use it for my good. That's good. And, and it just, it really just took me to a stance. Like, you know, even in the midst of this guy who, who was no, he was no follower of God, right? but yet God could use criticism. So the first thing that you have to think about is not every criticism is untrue. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> there are some things, there may be a nugget of truth that needs to be heard and applied in my life. And, and only an emotionally secure person will do that. That's good. Because a, an emotionally insecure person will not accept any criticism. Hmm. They will immediately try to defend themselves or, or they'll try to do what, what Abishai wants to do. Just go and cut the guy's head off. <laughs> you know, you tear the guy down, level him down, you know, bring yeah. him down with your own criticism back to yeah. them. And uh, now if there is no truth, and often that's the case, then you do what Jesus did. And, yeah. uh, you know, he said, look, when they hurl all kinds of insults at him and, and he, they false accusations, he didn't retaliate when he suffered. He had, he made no threats, but instead he entrusted himself 
to the one who judges justly. Yeah. And, and that frees you. Yeah. Because now it's no longer your issue. Now it's the Lord's issue. Yeah. And God will deal with it. That's good. It's good. Now, again, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. doesn't mean that it doesn't mess with you for a little bit. But eventually, <laughs> you got to get to the point where you say, hey, stop. Yeah. Let's come back. Let's get centered again. Let's look at what God wants us to do with this deal. Yeah. So. And, so, and you mentioned, again, about maybe the idea of being a secure and insecure leader. Yeah. Do you have any wisdom or insight? Maybe somebody, maybe that they're bumping up against realizing, as you've shared about that, that they're realizing there's maybe some more insecurities than, than they thought they had. Yeah. Is there any wisdom or insight you would give to somebody maybe in that situation today? Uh, honestly, the, the one thing that has helped me and is continuing to help me is, is just constantly reminding myself of who I am in Christ. It's hmm, good. I, I think that we, we underestimate the power of who we are in Christ. And when you think about, there's a whole book that basically is dealing with that, and that's Ephesians. Yeah. And when you think about the fact that who we are in Christ determines our worth, determines mm-hmm. our abilities, determines, you know, what we can accomplish and not accomplish. And that, and then when we focus on, on who we are and, and who God sees us as, that, that to me is the key to overcoming all insecurities and, and being secure in your worth, being secure in who you are and how God made you. He didn't make a mistake when he made me, yeah. you know, he, he gave me my personality. He gave me my abilities and my inabilities. Yeah. You know, he, the Bible says he, he, he causes the mute uh, not to speak and the deaf not to, So every part of me, he designed me exactly how he wanted me to be. And, and so often we focus on what we don't have, and we don't put the emphasis on what we do have and who we are rather than who we're not. And man, we're the worst when it comes to comparing ourselves to other people. You know, when you're somebody preaching like, man, I wish I preached that way. You know, yeah, it's, it's true. But the bottom line is you are who God made you to be. Yeah, and God true. will use you if you walk in that truth yeah. and walk in that security. That's a good, that's a good word. That's a good word. Kind of shifting a little bit, um, we're talking about personal health and, and and as we grow in that area, what do you see the role of accountability? You know, it's not, maybe there's several weeks to go by, but we hear often of, of, of spiritual leaders, pastors, the people that have maybe taken a path of moral failure different ways. And um, you hear, we talk about accountability a good bit, and sometimes there maybe might even have been in five accountability groups, but still seem to go off the, the, the trail. Um, yes. wh- what does accountability, one, do you, do you believe it's important? Do you, what's your insight maybe, or your thoughts on accountability as far as a spiritual leader and um, what things that we could put into practice? Well, number one, I do believe accountability is important. I think that sometimes we have handled it incorrectly. And, okay. and I think that we have um, put an emphasis on, a, on a, uh, a model of some kind. And like you said, we have seen people that have been part of that model and still have, have fallen, right? Yeah. So number one, I think that I think it goes back again to being emotionally healthy, spiritually mm-hmm. healthy physically healthy, holistic health. Because again, if you know who you are and you're secure in who you are, if you, if you walk in that, in that there's typically not a whole lot out there that's going to draw you away from that because your relationship and family is going to be healthy. Your relationships in the church is going to be healthy. And when there's health involved, hmm. then, you know, typically when, when someone falls, you look at what caused it and there's, you're going to point out to some unhealthy issues in their lives. Yeah. You know, there's some, some things that are happening inside them that cause them or at least entice them to do that. Now, yeah. Having said that, I do believe that, you know, nobody can say, well, I'm beyond falling because I am healthy. And therefore. <laughs> <laughs> so you do need to have it. And I start with boundaries. Okay. Okay. So I hold myself accountable first and foremost. And okay. how I hold myself accountable is I determined a long time ago that there are certain things that I will not do and certain places I will not go. 
Okay. And I put a boundary around that. For instance, let me let me just share. If somebody, if if someone of the opposite sex, if a female calls the church and wants counseling with me, right? Yeah. And they are adamant about it being me, then I will say this to them. I will see you one time. Yeah. But if I if I if I determine that you need further uh, meetings, then I will set you up with one of our female counselors or pastors okay because that's a boundary that i set i'm mm-hmm. not going to be lured into that right and that's when good. i meet with them here's another boundary my door remains open yeah and i've set my office in such a way that the person that i am speaking to is sitting right across from the door now the door is not open to everyone but it is right. open to my assistant right but if she comes to that corner she can see right what's happening right so it's open that's a boundary that i've set i set a boundary where I will never be in a room alone with someone of the opposite sex. I, yeah. I will not be in a room alone with someone because even if nothing happens, there could be the false accusations and all right. sometimes it takes as an accusation and it ruins you, right? So again, and there's several other personal boundaries that I've set in my life that 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 keep me from even putting myself in a position where I can be yeah. tempted to to fall away or to do something that would ruin my my ministry, my life, my, yeah. my family. Uh, several years ago, I made a list that was probably it's probably been about fifteen years or so. I think their Palm Pilots were still around back then. When I did. <laughs> <laughs> you remember those? I do. I do actually. I do actually. And so, and I made a list of what would happen if I had a moral failure hmm. and number one was what, what it would do to my wife and what it would do to my children who think I'm their hero. And then yeah. all of a sudden, so what it would do to the ministry and the calling of God in my life. And I just put it down in a list, man. And I, every so often I just pull it out and remind myself of the cost of something like that. Hmm. Okay. And, and then I do have men in my life. Um, I'm not going to say that I meet with him every week and he asks right. me the questions in the back of a card or anything right. of that nature. Right. But I have given them permission that at any moment they can call me yeah. and ask me how I'm doing and yeah. keep an eye on my life. I won't go anywhere. I will not go anywhere. When I leave my office, I tell my assistant and I, and I tell my wife where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm leaving where I'm going, I call my wife and say, Hey, I'm heading over here. or I'm heading over there. It is something that we have done for each other for years and years. Yeah. So there is never a moment where I'm anywhere that someone doesn't know where I am. Mm, that's and, good. And so it's not that I have to, it's not that they don't trust me, Yeah. but that, that keeps me accountable. It yeah. keeps me accountable. So. Yeah, keeps the keeps the secrets uh, the secret part out out of it. Oh, I think absolutely. I read. Um, I mentioned this on another podcast, but I read. Uh, I think it, I forget. I wonder who quoted, but he basically his things are secrets, screen, and um, sister. So that or sibling, and the idea that I I wouldn't do. I'm not for his accountability. I don't do anything that I would keep a secret. If I'm keeping a secret. It's it's um, I'm stepping over a line. If I wouldn't want it up on this, put what I'm doing with this person up on the screen in church for the whole congregation to see, then I should let that lets me know I'm stepping over a boundary, like you said. That's good. And if it's something that I'm saying, doing, thinking, or an emotion that I'm having with somebody that I wouldn't want with my sibling, um, and obviously in a healthy family relationship, a sibling, right. then he said, then I if that's that's stepping over a boundary for him. So it really helped me to think to kind of just have a, uh, a matrix then to run things through. Um, it's really, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's been good for me. Cause I think we've seen, like you said, I don't think anybody says they're beyond it. I don't think anybody, I mean, people might say that, but none of us, none of us are. And, and I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and said, you know, that list you made, nobody wakes yeah. up in the morning and says, Hey, I'm going to check all these things off today and make a mess out of my life. But at no. the same at the same time, people end up there. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it's and it, it's humbling. And um, but the accountability part um, is is important. I, I really do. I really do think. And, and Aaron, um, going back again to the holistic health, you know, when when you really look at those individuals, whom we all know, yeah, have messed up and have really you know made a mess of their lives and lost things that God had put in their hands. Um, 
when you look at their lives, I would say that probably majority, if not all of them, were more about the doing than it was about the being. That's good. And when when you're not healthy, when you don't have the fullness of God in you, you're going to try to fill it with something else. Hmm. And I don't care if you've been a believer for 50 years, if you've been one for two years, yeah. unless you have learned to be satisfied in the Lord, yeah. and that comes to holistic health, yeah. then you're going to try to find something to fill it. Man, that's good. That's good. We normally end the podcast with, uh, I normally like to ask people, uh, whoever we're interviewing, what they're excited about, what, um, you know, we, so much of the news is negative right now about this time as the coronavirus and all that, this yeah. fear, fear and panic is going around. What's, uh, what, what is something now that when you think about, you're excited about, just putting wind in your sails and um, it, it gives you hope? Um, maybe it's ministry, maybe it's family, it's, it's your choice, but just an encouraging word, I guess, is what we're looking for. Well, you know, I, I think that, um, I think to me, uh, the one that comes to my mind right away, because it just happened two weeks ago was, you know, I said, we've been here 10 years and, and the church that we lead, you know, the leadership, uh, the church council and, and some of the pastoral staff, they decided that they were going to de- dedicate a Sunday to celebrating our 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you why that's a win because sometimes we, we do and we do and we, and we sacrifice as any, any minister, any true leader, you're a servant of Christ and you don't, you know, you don't do it to get, you know, accolades. You don't do it to put, you know, notches in your belt, but that's who you are. The greatest yeah. amongst us, the greatest servant. And so, but there are times when uh, <laughs> you kind of wonder, okay, <laughs> is this really <laughs> impacting people? And, right. you know, is this really making a difference? And, uh, and, and, and really to stop like they did and to reflect in the last 10 years and to show the difference and the, ch- and the, and the impact that, that the last 10 years have made in our community and around the world really an impact globally. And, and then to celebrate all of that, it kind of just, I told my wife, I always just say, you know, when go to a funeral, I'd say, you know, man, I wonder if they told the deceased any of these things when they were, (laughs) (laughs) I'd let you look in on your, on your, on your your funeral. And I would say, you know what? I want my funeral while I'm still alive. Okay. (laughs) So, we got home from that Sunday. She said, I think you had your funeral, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it really, it really, like you say, put winds on your sails. Yeah. So it causes you to say, wow, if God was able to do that through us the last 10 years, how much more can he do the next 10? That's good. And I say, and it makes me look forward to the next 10 years. What are the next 10 years going to look like? You know, how much more are we going to accomplish for Jesus before he comes back? And and honestly, I say that because some most of the ministry, man, is is just plotting, man, just yeah. going on and on. Yeah. You know, I, I taught last night in our equip group uh, on uh, on Elisha, and when the three kings were going down to fight against Moab, and and Elisha, they went to ask him, and he said, "Okay, fine, uh, God will help you, but this is what you got to do first: you got to dig ditches." Yeah. And he made him go dig ditches throughout the valley. These guys were all, you know, dehydrated and hot and tired. And he said, go dig the ditches. And in the morning, you're going to see the waters filled. Yeah. And a lot of times we dig ditches, man. Ministry is a lot of digging ditches. Mm-hmm. You just one shovel full at a time. Yeah. You keep on plodding on and plodding on. And sometimes you don't know and recognize how important that is. That's yeah, good. And, uh, and man, most of ministry is not the the hoopla and the exciting moments. Most of ministry is just digging ditches. Yeah. But when you're faithful with the small things, God will put you in charge of greater things. That's and, a good uh, word. and I think that that's what really helped me remember uh, yeah. when they were celebrating those 10 years. Yeah. That's a good word and encouragement for me to, uh, to thank the people and let the people know that are impacting my life, let them know now. It's because if it was if it was that meaningful for you, what you're expressing, that people will share that. You know, we it is a challenge that we why, why wait and say all the things at the funeral that we wish we would have said before. Absolutely. And the challenge for me to let people know the impact they're making in my life um, today uh, and not to wait. So. Pastor Nelson, could you pray for us? Could you pray for the, the audience as we've, we've spent this time talking about 
holistic health and personal health and um, the things that a lot of great lessons and great key points, I think, that we can put in, into practice in our life. Could you pray that, the, that God will seal that and the Holy Spirit will guide and direct each of us to put into action um, what we've learned today? Amen. Father, we are grateful um, for who you are, first and foremost. God, who you are in our lives. You never, you never change. You're always the same. And your mercies and your faithfulness, God, are, are just new every morning. And we're grateful for that, Lord. We know that in this changing world that we live in, there is one unchangeable, and that's you. And I pray, Father, that you would help every one of us, God, to, to constantly focus on that truth, Lord. That you're the, you truly are the rock that we, that we stand on. You truly are the walk. When everything else is falling apart, you are the rock that we can cling to. And I pray, Father, that above everything else, that that we would recognize, God, that our health, that our, our triune health, God, body, soul, and spirit, God, rests in you and our relationship with you. That above everything else, Father, we would pursue you with everything inside of us. That we would never stop pursuing you. That we would never stop falling in love with you, Jesus. That we would never, ever put you in the back burners of even of ministry, God. That we would never be put doing over being, oh God. And we will never cease to see you as the true foundation of all that we are and all that we do. And I pray for those that perhaps are going through a, a, a difficult moment right now, Father, and they find themselves in, in a bit of a valley, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus that they would not stop digging that ditch, Father, that every day they get up and they keep doing what you have called them to do, Father. That they would not give up. They would not quit. But, Father, that they would recognize that as, so, as long as they continue to move forward, even if it's a small amount, they're, gonna, they're still moving forward, Father. And then one day, God, that water's going to come. The refreshing is going to come, God. The light's going to be there, Lord. You promised, God, to take us through the fire and through the floods and through the valley of death. You didn't say you were going to wait for us on the other side, but you are with us the entire way. So I pray for them, Jesus. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would send someone alongside of them, Father, to speak words of life and encouragement to them. And so, Father, we just commit ourselves afresh to you. We surrender to you everything, everything that we are and everything that we do. And may everything that we are and everything we do always bring you the honor, the glory, and the praise that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.